Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Raul Powell. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for futures traders, be sure to click on their logos on our website. Today I spoke with the CEO and co-founder of Real Vision and the global macro investor, Raul Powell. We discussed Raul's top macro theme and how he's trading it. How he, as a global macro trader, deals with the 24-7 news cycles and social media impacting global macro themes. We talked about journaling, real vision, and last but not least, what Raul has done away from the screens to remain in good mental and physical health throughout his career. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Raul. Raul, what's the biggest macro theme happening right now that you're trading? The biggest macro theme right now is the the probability of recession and the ways of trading that and what it means. Um, the as a macro theme, a recession theme like this is a multifaceted thing you can trade, you know, and it, and it encompasses everything from equity markets to bond markets to the dollar to commodity markets. And that's why um, many kind of macro players tend to like these environments because moves come faster, volatility increases, and everything becomes a play on that one core theme. So that's the kind of the key thing that I'm looking at right now. My core core way of trading this has been the bond market, and I've been very actively involved on the long side in bonds since about the summer of last year, um, and then more so into the euro dollar futures market um, a little bit later into the year at about September uh, and beyond that. Okay. So you've been trading the bond and the Euro dollar market based upon this macro theme that we're heading for a recession. I want to talk about how you've been executing your trades in those markets, but first I'd like to know what triggered this idea for this theme. What did you see in the fundamentals or maybe even in the charts and the technicals that told you, you know what, this theme is in play. So I first started realizing the theme was in play um, in about March 2018, when China started slowing down significantly and charts of commodity prices 
were looking weak and the chart of the dollar was looking strong. And it started to make me think that something else was going on, which was contrary to the reflation narrative that had been um, present since about 2016. Um, so I thought, OK, this is interesting. I then started to follow growth slowing globally, and it hadn't really hit the US or any of the major economies yet, but it had started in Asia. That whole theme developed as suddenly trade tariffs were put in place. And that made me think, wow, okay, this is a structural shift that may be changing things. The US was still raising rates. Um, and then I started to see the positioning in the bond market was the shortest in the history of the bond market, the shortest in the history of the euro dollar market, the shortest in the history of the two-year note market. It was like, I've never seen anything like it where everybody was betting on rates. This is when Jeff Gunlack was saying rates are going to 6% in the US 10-year. So I saw that and I saw this slowdown and I saw my future economic indicators, some of the PMIs globally, slowing down and I realized something wasn't right with the picture and there might be an opportunity here. That's when I started to put on a bond trade. I was a little bit early at first. So I started buying 10-year bond futures um, and TLT just because some people find it easier that way. Um, and, then, um, and then waited for that to kind of bed in. Suddenly, by September, things started happening and the US hit an air pocket, which was extraordinary because growth collapsed very quickly, retail sales collapsed. But more importantly, the Fed was still hiking rates, but stuff like housing sales had fallen, car sales had fallen, recreational vehicle sales had fallen, restaurant sales had fallen, all the big ticket items, anything that involved credit cards, credit card rates were all-time highs. And I realized that the Fed had over-tightened. Uh, and that made, gave me the confidence to start looking at creating a bigger position and having more conviction. I then found the chart um, of the rate of change of LIBOR. I used the two-year rate of change and the one-year rate of change. It was the highest in all recorded history. And I realized that rates had gone more than the market was understanding because they were thinking they'd only gone from a low level to another low level, but they hadn't. Anybody who had borrowed money had a massive increase in funding costs. So I started putting on a big position knowing that the market was the opposite way around. And then that obviously played off exceptionally well in um, Q4 of last year. And then uh, Q1 and Q2 of this year were astonishing, August being a huge month for the bond market. And so that's how it was. It was, a, it was a juxtaposition between the global economy, the spreading of economic risk, the noticing of the recessionary trade permeating across the globe, key charts breaking in commodity markets and elsewhere, um, the dollar going higher and seeing an opportunity to take the opposite view to everybody else. The stars were aligning. They were. It doesn't happen always. Sometimes it happens and it's very nice when it does. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I want to pause and thank one of our sponsors, Trading Technologies. I started using TT in the year 2000 and I love it. It is by far the best trading platform I have ever used and I've tried a lot of them. With TT, you can trade the global markets from virtually anywhere in the world. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. I highly suggest you go try out TT, especially because you can try it for free. 
Just go to tryttnow.com and set up your account. Let's talk about how you actually execute these positions after you developed your theme. You mentioned how you were buying tenure and TLT. One thing I say a lot on this show is know where you're wrong before you're getting in. And I'm curious with you having this macro theme, and even you mentioned that you were a little bit early on your bond positions. How are you managing risk? How do you know where you are wrong? Are you just are you buying futures, options on futures? Are you doing both? How does that all work? Yeah, so I'm generally using, I use options, but I tend to use when I, it depends how I start the position off. Sometimes just a small futures position, um, just to give yourself the feeling and the understanding and the context of the market. So you know, I was using, let's say in um, in 10 years, I was using DMARC and DMARC had given me a kind of a weekly countdown and that had kind of failed and it went again in September. So it was over that period, that summer where, you know, I had to wear some losses, but my I could see the picture in the economy and I knew that I had to have a wide stop because, you know, it wasn't confirmed yet. But the moment that um, 10 year future started to break, let's say around the 120 level, then we started to see a confirmation that the trade was right. And then you could start adding risk. Then you could start looking at optionality. Sometimes I'll start with optionality um, instead. Uh, but I, I tended to start with futures in this because I like just, you know, not bleeding, um, you know, time decay. It's just being able to nimble because you could be in and out of stuff like bond futures and euro dollar futures. They trade 24 hours, super liquid. So I, I think of a stop loss. I think of what percentage of an NAV. If it's an early tester position, it will be much smaller and then eventually it becomes much and much larger over time. Yeah, so it's even very similar to how I trade intraday. You know, I start off with a, a portion of my position. I like to feel how the market's reacting to my idea, which is more technical than macro. But from there, once I see it reacting, well, I press, you know, I had more, obviously for me, it's a much shorter time frame, but it, it sounds very similar to what you're doing. So what I want to talk about next is you put on the futures to start and, you know, I, I call them feelers and you get out there, you're in there. Cause you know that you feel like this is the position you want to be in. But like you said, you could be early and you have to be able to, to weather the storm. Now that things start to go your way, how do you increase that position? How are you adding to it and then managing risk along the way to keep it? Like you said, you've been in it for what, a year and a half, I think you said? Yeah. Are you ever getting out? Are you scaling in and out along the way? Tell us how all of that works. Yeah. So generally, I start to use something like I use DMARC as a guide to where I am in the trend. I take weekly indicators and monthly and when they combine very seriously. So if, if I get close to that, like now, you know, it, it's starting to look like there might be a, a more, a larger reversal pattern at play. I haven't changed my positions yet, but I will, I'll look at trimming on those kind of things. I do know there's certain, from, from having a lot of experience with trading markets, I do know that, that if it's an easing cycle, bond markets tend to be, they don't correct very long. They tend to correct short and sharp. And then before you know it, they become unbiable again because they keep rallying. So I've tried to peel off into the extreme strength 
and then add into these short, sharp sell-offs and not try to be too cute about looking for larger corrections. And that usually works, but you'll you'll tend to get one or maybe two 50 basis points correction in euro dollars, which are big corrections in the course of a full rate cycle. But we haven't had our well, we've had one of those so far, and I think we'll, we may have a bigger correction at some point. I'm not sure we're ready yet. So that's kind of how I look at it. As a global macro trader, how do you deal with the 24-7 headlines and tweets that come out that may have an impact on your global macro theme? I mean, are you just blocking that stuff out? Uh, are you engaged and watching it every day? How do you go about that? Well, everybody will tell you 700 reasons why your position is not going to work. And one of those reasons will be the position, the, the thing that, that causes the correction or the reversal of your trade. So it's really hard. And it's so I think of it as all noise. So I understand certain things. There are certain things that I will, economic data that I'll use to keep me in the trend. Other than that, I assume everything is noise. Um, my stop loss losses will help me if I get that wrong. Um, but basically, I use the economic data to understand my trend and disregard all of the noise that people see. However, I do use Twitter a lot. I don't read other people's research um, at all, really. But I do use Twitter a lot and get the context of what people are thinking. So, for example, recently, everybody has been looking for a correction in the bond market. Now, sometimes you get the point where everybody thinks there's going to be a correction coming and they all get washed out. We got that uh, in August. And then they're all at it again. I mean, every single person. And at that point, often you do get the correction. Now, you know, the first one or two attempts have been washed out. Now we might get a larger correction and it'll give them a bit of comfort. You know, generally trading markets is all about how much discomfort you're feeling. Because <laughs> when you feel comfortable for too long, you know it's going to go against you for a while. So, you know, I, I use social media to just understand how other people are thinking and if I'm missing anything major. But I try and avoid trading on headlines. Yeah, it's a very different. When, you, when you're trying to trade, trade economic trends, you can't trade headlines. Something I want to talk about is journaling. You've been doing this for a long time successfully. Do you journal? Don't forget, I write the Global Macro Investor. It's 100 pages a month or 120 pages a month of my thoughts. And I write Macro Insiders, which also adds to it. So in terms of journal journaling, what a fantastic thing to be able to journal and get paid for it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I get to test out my trade ideas, think things through, have that space and that clarity. So in that respect, yes, I do. Do you find by writing that it holds you more accountable to trading your ideas? Well, your P&L is the ultimate accountability. Yeah. Um, but what it does is, is forces me to think things through from scratch every yeah. month. And that's really, there's, there's a good intellectual integrity to doing that. I want to talk about mental and physical health. Um, everybody knows, maybe not everybody, but most people that listen to this show know that I had a heart attack at 36 years old at my trading screens because I wasn't putting enough effort away from the screens as I was at the screens. You've been doing this a long time. And I'm curious, 
Do you do anything away from the screens to help you with your analysis and your trading? I, I think quality of life is something extremely important. So quality of health is one. So I have over the years gotten more and more um, into wellness and lifestyle. So, you know, currently, for example, I follow the ketogenic diet uh, and I like the discipline that that gives me. And it's also great for keeping yourself slim and fit and active and all of those things that, you know, I, I train, I do um uh, I did weight weight training. I did a bit of yoga. I did that kind of stuff. I like nature. I find nature is probably the best connecting thing and releases more endorphins than anything else. So I spend a lot of time outside. Um, I love walking. I love diving. I'm lucky enough to live in the Caribbean. Diving is like meditating. You can't even hold a shopping list in your head when you go underwater. You go down thinking, I've got all these worries on my mind. Two minutes underwater, you've forgotten more. So I find that kind of stuff helps as a meditation um, as an ability to meditate, I find, as I said, nature meditates. So these things I take very seriously. When I retired at 36, I was under extreme stress, having you know left Goldman Sachs, then set up and ran a large a global macro hedge fund. It took me several years to get over it, but I moved to the Mediterranean coast of Spain, much like you live in, in Naples, Florida, and actively engaged in the quality of life that offered me and kept away from the screens too much, kept away from the real stresses. Sure, 2008 comes along and you're going to be in front of your screen all day and not getting much sleep. That's fine. But trying to distance yourself from a lot of it. I think also I think you've mentioned social media is a bit complicated and I'm kind of thinking my way through that. It's been great and really beneficial for me in some respects. On other respects, I just think it's wrong that we're spending too long doing it. I love what you're doing away from the screens sounds very similar to what I'm doing. And on a personal note for me, when I started investing time in myself, I noticed an uptick in everything in my life. Everything seemed to start improving. My business, my trading, my personal life. Have you noticed an increase in your trading performance when you started investing more time in yourself? Um, it's, you know, I don't measure stuff like that, but you intuitively know it. Yeah. You intuitively exactly. know your mental state of affairs. It's like when I talked about trading is, you know, selling, peeling off some of the position when it's going in your favor and then buying, re-entering when it has a pullback, it, you, it puts you on the front. That's being on the front foot. It's a much better way once you get yourself on the front foot. And it's the same with your mental health and well-being is once you're on the front foot, you just make compounded better decisions. It's, you know, the other key thing is sleep. You know, once you start screwing up your sleep patterns, um, you don't make good decisions. And, you know, those all of those things compound. And, of course, they will affect your p &L. I agree with you. Intuitively is exactly the way I felt it. It wasn't that I started making more money. It was just that I felt overall... I would say better. <laughs> I don't even know if that's uh, more on top of your game. It's, yes. you know, and it, you know, it's not an easy game. It is a stressful, difficult, lonely, miserable business being an investor. And you need to be on top of your mental game or you will not be able to survive it. Absolutely. Because for me, I think that there's one thing that I will say that I definitely felt stronger about when I started investing time in myself was knowing that I could do this for the rest of my life or for as long as I wanted. It wouldn't be health that took me away from the game. 
Hey everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures, contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Let's move on and talk about Real Vision. You had your five-year anniversary. I had my five-year anniversary for Futures Radio Show as well this year. So congratulations. Great work you guys are doing there. Uh, looking back now, when you started Real Vision, what was your idea behind it? And talk to us a little bit about the journey that you've been through over these five years. God. Okay, so the idea was at a very top down level is I write the Global Macro Investor, which I charge $40,000 a year for, for you know the world's biggest hedge funds, massive family offices, sovereign wealth funds, banks, that kind of thing. People, and I've always been at the epicenter of the financial industry, and, and people at the epicenter of the financial industry had all the information. 2008 came along and the the average guy just didn't have the same information. And so people's lives got destroyed. And it got even worse in 2012. I was living in Spain and Europe almost imploded and people just had no information. The media did a terrible job of telling people the risks that were going on and what was really happening. So we thought that we could do something about it. I thought actually I owed it to the business because I love investing and I love um, the finance industry and it gets a bad reputation and I don't think it deserves to have such a bad reputation. So I thought I could do something about it. And that through a bunch of coincidences ended up becoming real vision. Not that I knew anything about starting the Netflix of finance, you know, the world's best video on demand channel for you know investing and financial markets and economics. But that's what we did. You know, we took on huge incumbents like CNN and Bloomberg, CNBC and Bloomberg, and won. And it was extraordinary. I mean, we, that journey has been really, really difficult because we come with little knowledge, not enough budget. And we fought and fought and fought and learned and failed and failed and failed and failed and then succeeded and failed again and succeeded again. Just every day has been the relentless battle of driving the business forwards. And suddenly you look back and you think, wow, we now have, I don't know, our, our subscriber base between our, you know, Free channels and our paid channels are 250,000 people. We've got several videos that people have watched, a million and a half people have watched in, in a couple of weeks. We have this enormous reach. You know, we are at the epicenter of financial Twitter now. We are, um, you know, we have tens of thousands of paid subscribers for our $180 uh, realvision.com service. Um, it is an extraordinary thing. You know, we even produce a couple of newsletters. We even got, we've got amazing live events. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an unbelievable journey. And what we're so blown away is, is how engaged people are in Real Vision. They just are fanatical. They absolutely love what we do and they can't get enough of it. And that just encourages us to keep going and keep pushing boundaries and try harder and work longer hours and get more stuff done. Before I let you go, we talked about your top macro theme and how you're trading it right now. Give us one thing, 
one macro theme besides the one you discussed earlier that traders should be watching for right now? Anybody should pull up the chart of the CRB index going back 40 or 50 years and look at the size of the top pattern that is forming and ask yourself, what world are we going into? Do you think that this is an inflationary return to normal world that that chart is telling you? Or do you think that this is something much bigger? And I think there is a potential that this could be something much bigger, much more deflationary, much larger. Also, stare at the chart of something like the US dollar broad-based index or even the RMB and say to yourself, what are these currency charts telling me? Why does it look like the dollar is going to explode and commodities are going to collapse? What is that all that about? So that's what I'll say is I think things that people aren't looking at. People are too busy in the weeds and not seeing the big picture. Great insight as always, Raul. Where can people find you on Twitter and give us a website to check out? Sure. So website, look, the best thing about Real Vision, we've got a free version now. So go realvision.com forward slash free. Knock your socks off the world's greatest financial content. You know, legends, Stan Druckenmiller through to, you know, John Burbank, Mike Novogratz, everything from cryptocurrencies to futures to everything is all there. And it's extraordinary research resource and it's free. There's the $180 paid version as well, which you'll find realvision.com. Um, if you want to find me, hunt me down on Twitter um, at Raul, R-A-O-U-L-G-M-I. Um, and I'm always open to discussing stuff and love to have a bit of debate. So you can follow me there and just check out Real Vision because I promise you, if you care about financial markets, there's no better resource on earth. Raul, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Futures Radio Show today. Thank you, Anthony, as ever. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.